Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. This episode is brought to you by Hallow, the number one Catholic app. Hallow has 1,000 audio-guided prayers and meditations for you to deepen your relationship with God. To listen to all of the Hallow meditations for free for 30 days, head to hallow.com slash breadbox. Hello and welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito with Mary Lou Nemechek, and we are going to do a second show on this document issued by Archbishop Carlson of the Archdiocese of St. Louis entitled uh, Compassion and Challenge, and it has to do with gender ideology, gender dysphoria. Why are we addressing this? Because it looks like the incoming administration, presidential administration, is going to kind of um, uh, signal a sea change, perhaps, uh, in uh, laws, legislations, regulations, administrative regulations that will make the whole area of gender dysphoria or gender um, ideology or the whole reassignment thing probably more mainstream. We were identifying three things that Archbishop Carlson has identified in gender ideology, which underpins the so-called transgender movement. One, feelings define our identity. Two, human integrity means I have to be me. I have to act on my persistent desires. And three, if those around us who don't understand or don't get it or know that there is another truth don't agree with you, ergo, automatically, we hate you. Which I feel like I'm on the third grade playground here. You know, you don't agree with me. You don't want to build a sandcastle with me. I'm going to throw rocks at you. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Come on. You know, but that's unfortunately, that's kind of what's going on. Let's redefine. Feelings are a part of us, but they do not define us. We talked about that last time. Two, human integrity requires to sift our desires and not simply to follow them. That should not be a revelation to any mature adult. Right? Right. I may want a dozen things. I think about what I when I decide what I'm going to have for lunch. I've changed my mind 14 times before <laughs> I actually do have whatever I'm going to have for lunch. Now, I don't want to minimize and I don't want to belittle people's really true, genuine struggles that people experience with this gender dysphoria. But, it, but in a certain sense, a desire does not correspond particularly with reality most times, especially when they bring us to contradict the very biology and the very biological reality that we were given at birth. Desires are not self-authenticating. Desires are not, just because I have a desire does not make it valid. It does not make it legitimate. I could desire to go out and kill a hundred people. You know, that's not, uh, that's not legitimate. Not all desires are self-authenticating. And this is where, frankly, sin has to factor in more deeply into our assessment of the human experience, meaning what? We are flawed, sinful beings. 
the persistent existence of, of a desire is no proof that God made us this way. I thought that was very, very well put. Sin and its effects are just as real as God's designs and grace when it comes to analyzing our human experience. Gender ideology gives insufficient attention to the effects of the fall on human desire. You know, and that's a hard sentence it, to utter in a society which does not acknowledge sin to begin with. Exactly. Right? We don't hear a lot about sin from the pulpit because we don't want people to feel bad. Or do we want people to feel condemned? We don't want people to feel judged. And nobody's trying to condemn or judge anybody, but just proclaiming the truth from the pulpit would be a refreshing change occasionally about well, the, the whole idea of sin. Well, that sentence, sin and its effects are just as real as God's designs and grace when it comes to analyzing our human experience. That relates to everything we do. That is just a great sentence that we need to hold on to. Mm-hmm. Because we have to look at everything through that veil of good and evil. You know, what what would God want and what would he not want? Mm-hmm. So um, keep that in mind. Um, and also this this compassion and challenge is available on that website for the Diocese of St. Louis because it's such a good article. I would recommend everyone to go to it and print it out and hold on to it. Archdiocese of St. Louis, and it's called Compassion and Challenge, if you want to read it. It's only 13 pages. It's it's very, you know, very approachable. It's easy to read. So the first two parts of gender ideology, feelings define our identity. Two, human integrity means acting on our persistent desires. Three, this is where uh, this applies more across the board, really, than anything else. If I don't agree with you, I don't uh, just disagree with you. I hate you. You know, and being a parent, our thing is driven home, right? How many times have we, out of love with our for our children, spoken out and said things and and uh, limited their behavior, perhaps when they were under our control, for their own good? You know, I'm reminded of a little cartoon somebody uh, cut out and gave to me. We have a friend Tom who is constantly cutting out little cartoons and and sending them to me. And uh, this one is a kid dressed in um, ancient dress, talking to the father, also dressed in ancient dress. And he's saying, but dad, everyone else is going to Gomorrah and Sodom for the weekend, for spring break, you know? (laughs) And it's that kind of feel like, well, dad, everybody else is driving off a cliff. Why can't I go? You know, that kind of thing. Because I want to feel like I belong with my peers. There's feeling and I desire to be popular and to be like everybody else. And there's desire. But if I uh, nix my teenager's trip to Sodom and Gomorrah for spring break, I doesn't mean I hate them. It means I love them. Right. Right. One is uh, that tough love. One is think one thinks of I forgot who it was. Uh, one um, uh, criminal uh, murderer who went to the scaffold and his last words were reproach towards his mother because she never corrected him. Oh, interesting. That would be be tough. Wow. So love and disagreement can coexist. I am looking for something that was posted on Facebook that was so good, and it was something about your um, agreeing with someone. And um, the whole point of it was, you know, if you disagree, um, 
I, I want you to agree with me and I want it, I want you to agree with exactly what I believe. There's no disagreement. I, I'm going to have to find it and share it with you because it was so good. And I've had more people comment about it. And it's these little things where if you disagree with someone, it's, it's a sign of hatred, total hatred, because you don't agree with them. But what they really want you to do is to mimic exactly what they're saying. They want no disagreement whatsoever. You are to you are to say exactly what they say. They want to be validated. And you know what? We all want to be validated. But then the part of, the, of our great democracy is the right to agree to disagree. That whole agree to disagree thing has just gone by the boards. If you don't agree with me, you hate me. Now, what? how... First of all, I love how he points out that if I have to point out to you that I don't hate you, then how does that uh, progr- how does that promote a discussion or a dialogue, right? Labeling someone as a hater is simply an easy way to dismiss their unwelcome questions, right? If I have already pronounced that you hate me, then all I that justifies me completely retreating from you and and completely retiring from any kind of dialogue. And just, uh, you know, trenching back into my own understanding of you as a hater. And because you hate me, I don't have to listen to anything I say. You say. I, I just found it. It's It says, you see, boy, people don't want to hear your opinion. This is a rooster talking to the little bird. bird. It's one of the, the um, oh, gosh, the um, um, characters that I don't know whether it was Disney or whatever. But it says, you see, boy, people don't want to hear your opinion. And then it says they want to hear their opinion coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's going on. So, um, you know, sadly, I am not one that's going to mimic their opinion coming out of my mouth. And I think that we all have to be cognizant of a dialogue, you know, based on what you were talking about in the last show about, you know, using your intellect and your will, and then your feelings. You know, there, there, there's a process to all of this. Yeah, reality is reality, and our wishful thinking is never going to change it. And so adapting to reality is probably the saner and the more charitable and the less hating thing to do, right? So right. if I, if you're driving off a cliff and I tell you, keep telling you, oh, that's your perfectly, it's your right to drive off a cliff, have fun, I affirm you, Etc. Am I actually loving you or hating you? So that would be a case of me agreeing with somebody, but it shows that I hate them if I agree with them. If I disagree with them, it would show that I love them, right? So there, I mean, there are scenarios in which that can happen. A few other elements of gender ideology also concern Archbishop Carlton. He talks, he points out to double standards, the media treatment of transgender issues. He to two times one in which um, it celebrated the fact that gender was not determined by how uh, people feel right and but then the next cover story chided a public figure and claimed that for him the truth was not determined by the facts but by how he feels about the facts so on one end you had people being celebrated by ignoring the facts and just their feelings and on the other one you had somebody being chided for uh, ignoring um, the facts and just going by his feelings. Well, either the truth is determined by the facts or it is not. You can't have it both ways. To say that the truth is determined by the facts in one case and how we feel about the facts in another case is a double standard. That should not be hard to understand, right? Right. 
it's just common sense, right? And then another issue in the gender ideology, the body matters. We talked about that as incarnate uh, spirits. Um, it's not just the spiritual matters that concern us. It's also the physical matters that concern us. That's why Paul says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You better watch out how you treat your body, how you use your body, because you are incarnate spirits. And so that's why in the Catholic faith, we have all the physical elements, because we respect the incarnate nature of our faith. We have smells and bells and we consume food and we stand and we kneel and we sit and we process and we and we do, we do all this stuff that is not just spiritually, you know, uh, appealing, but it's also physically appealing because it, biological differences in our biological reality are profoundly meaningful. Sexual identity is written into every level of our physical being. We are called to integrate those realities into the psychological and spiritual aspect of our lives. So you have a problem when your biological reality and your psychological reality are having a fight, which is basically what dysphor gender dysphoria is, right? Your psychology, your your whatever, if you really do have the gender dysphoria, which is a very serious illness, uh, tells you that you should not re recognize your biological reality, but you should go with your feelings or your emotions or your desires we cannot override the fact that our bodies are biological realities. And the fact that we are having a hard time even acknowledging basic things like you're a man and I'm a woman is linked with a broader inability to respect the structures written into nature. Right? So he quotes right. Laudato Si. Um, the acceptance of our bodies as God's gift is vital for welcoming and accepting the entire world as a gift from the Father in our common home. Whereas thinking that we enjoy absolute power over our own body turns often subtly into thinking that we enjoy absolute power over creation. Learning to accept our body to care for it and to respect its fullest meaning is an essential element of any genuine human ecology. So what is he doing? He is talking about the care of the environment. And he says, if we can't even get our, our, our respect for our bodies straight, how are we going to respect the environment properly? Right? How can the ecological crisis of the body and the ecological crisis of the world are related? Respect for one entails respect for the other. Additionally, if we can ignore differences as fundamental as those between a man and a woman, only dealing with them after we have rearranged them according to to our desires, mm. it bodes ill for our ability to deal with any differences that we cannot rearrange. I thought that was interesting, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point. That cannot reconcile itself to the differences between men and women. We'll never be able to celebrate diversity. I mean, and that's kind of like the the mantra that we hear. It has to be diverse. The new president is, is actually being criticized because it's not his incoming cabinet, his incoming administration isn't, quote, diverse unquote enough and what they mean by that is not enough women not enough gay people not enough people from other races not and now there's going to be i'm sure not enough people who are transgender i mean you know what where does it stop it's all on equity not equality exactly so you know so and then another aspect of this gender ideology is freedom Again, and we, you as, and I as Catholics know, Mary Lou, that the world celebrates freedom as license. I can do whatever I want, and it's a matter of my choice. Whereas 
Instead, as a Catholic, as a Christian, we know that freedom is the chance to choose the best of thinking and knowing the truth. Freedom is behavior based on facts and not on desire, right? So uh, it's not perfected simply by choosing freely because I could choose freely to be an axe murderer, right? I could choose really to be, I don't know, an opioid addict or to abuse children. We can all name examples of people freely choosing something that's bad for them and for others. But freedom is perfected in the combination of choosing freely and then choosing the good. So I'm free to choose what is good. So if you remember, there was a great example that I am free to bang on a piano and to uh, pretend like I know how to play the violin or a guitar. But if I have never taken lessons and learned to discipline myself uh, and accept the reality that I'm going to have to learn how to do this excellently and it doesn't just happen, then I am, um, I am much more free when I have actually taken on the burden of discipleship towards the piano, right? Or right. towards the violin or towards learning Chinese or whatever, right? Right, exactly. It is one thing to be understanding of human weakness and the complexities of life, and another to accept ideologies that attempt to sunder what are inseparable aspects of reality, the body and the soul, the body and the psyche, the body and the spirit. To show understanding in the face of exceptional situations never implies a dimming of the light of the fuller ideal or proposing less than what God offers. And that is basically settling, you know, settling for popular ideas. It comes to mind, uh, parents of same-sex uh, attracted children who just give up, uh, perhaps they're, they may never have understood really, um, you know, the, the, the Christian ideal of marriage or the Christian ideal of, um, of properly ordered attractions and throw it all away. Uh, wanting to, quote, love their children. Well, yes, of course you have to love your children. You can't reject them. You have to be for them. You have to be patient. You have to be merciful. But that does not mean that you should abandon the fuller ideal. Exactly. Right? Settling for popular ideas is never a good thing. Right? Right. Yes, so we have to show understanding and compassion, right? He asks a question. Does that mean compromising what Jesus offers, which is the union of body and soul and a profound integration of physical, psychological, and spiritual aspects of our lives? Or accepting false dichotomies like the division between the sex of a person has and the sex a person would like or wants other to perceive that person as have? No, that never means that, right? So right. Uh, the sentence that he gives Pope Francis uh, in Amoris Laetitia, the solution is, Meet people where they are. That's where mercy and compassion and love come in. Two, accompany them. Accompany them in truth, patience, and mercy, love and tenderness. And then proclaim the truth, the demands of the kingdom of God. There are three key words here. Met, accompanied, and proclaimed. Gender ideology wants us to meet people where they are to capitulate to their demands and to celebrate them as they are. Jesus calls us to meet people where they are, but at the same time to proclaim the truth of God's plan and then to accompany them along the way of that plan. This is an amazing article, you all. I really see the end. There's some basic guidelines, which we can leave you all to read for yourselves. It talks about clarity. Clarity is not opposed to compassion. 
Black charity, how the truth is articulated. Don't be hard about it. Don't be difficult about it. Have patience with people. Have mercy with people who are taken in, who are deceived. And that applies to anything else, right? Right. Um, Refusal to compromise anything concerning the saving doctrine of Christ is an outstanding act of charity for souls. Yet at the same time, it is necessary always to combine this with tolerance and charity. True tolerance is where you tolerate an evil while you're waiting for that person to change their minds, while you're waiting for that person to be healed, while you're waiting for that person to avail themselves of all the resources that they need, right? Right. So when the catechism says about our treatment of those who experience same-sex attraction applies with equal force to our treatment to those who are uncomfortable with their biological sex and those who identify as transgender, the church rejects unjust discrimination and every sign of unjust discrimination against them. Right. So, uh, you know, you can draw your own conclusions, but I think that compassion, patience and mercy towards people with gender dysphoria. But also it applies, I think, to a whole broad category of where people have just been taken in by the sentimental ethos of our culture, whereby we are we are being pushed to codify into law to legislate sentiment and not fact. That's exactly right. So let's just bring the matter to prayer and remember patience, mercy, compassion, but also the challenge of the truth. Thank you for joining us. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree.